0: going to read from God's Word this morning. We've been looking over the last number of weeks until last Sunday when Philippi filled in about what is church. And this morning we're reading from John's Gospel, chapter 4, one of my favourite gospel stories about Jesus and the woman of Samaria, Jesus and the woman at the well. And we're reading from verses 7 down to verse 15, and then we're going to jump down after verse 15 down to verse 27 and read to verse 39. So let's listen to God's Word together. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And we'll jump down to verse 27. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So that the sower and reaper may rejoice together for here the saying holds true one sows and another reaps i sent you to reap that for which you did not labor others have labored and you have entered into their labor many samaritans from that town believed him because of the woman's testimony he told me all that i ever did amen may god bless the reading of his holy word to us. This morning we're thinking about being witnesses for Christ. I read a quote from John Piper a few weeks ago. Um I was, we were thinking about how the church is meant to be a house of prayer and of worship. And I said in that sermon that the number one priority of the church is worship. That is our number one priority worship it's why we've been made it's why we've been created it's man's chief end is to glorify god and to enjoy him forever and john piper says that worship is our main priority that's why we've been made but mission exists because there are places where worship doesn't mission exists because there are places where worship doesn't where we look around us and, and, and the people that we see and the community that we live in and the, the areas that we go for work, where we see that there is no worship of the Lord happening. It, it, we should be compelled to do mission then. We should be compelled to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ so that they come to know him and they come to love him and be transformed by him and worship him. Worship is our number one priority, and mission exists because there are areas where worship doesn't. So Jesus is sitting by a well. He's sitting by a well, and it's the sixth hour, which is around about noon, around about midday. And Jesus is wearied and he sits down and as he does, we read off a woman who comes near to him uh, to draw water from the well that he is sitting at. This woman from Samaria who came to draw water from this well. Now, a well or a spring in ancient times was known as a place of encounter. It was known as a place where you could meet with people. And actually, it's important that we hold on to that because we're going to see some details about this woman. That we see that she's avoiding contact. She's avoiding encounter. She doesn't want to be around people or near people. And I love that Jesus meets this woman at a well. He goes there, yes, because he's tired, but because this woman was meant to meet him, she was meant to encounter Jesus. That's what I love about Jesus, that he comes to where we are. He meets us where we are. He comes to encounter us. And in that encounter, we are transformed by his transformative love. As Psalm 40 says, and I love it. It talks about how we're in that bog, in that mighty pit. And how we're lifted out. We can't lift ourselves out of that pit. But when we encounter Jesus. He lifts us out of that bog. He comes to the pits that we are in. And he goes to this well to encounter this woman. And more importantly, so this woman can encounter him. Now it doesn't sound like much to us, this encounter. It doesn't sound like anything that you would record in the Sunday Mail in 1993. But this is a big thing that was taking place here. For two reasons. One, she was a woman, and two, she was a Samaritan. It was bad enough to be a woman, but she was a Samaritan woman. Jews didn't speak to Samaritans. They couldn't stand them. And Jewish men would avoid speaking to women in public, even their own wives. They wouldn't address them. They wouldn't have conversation with them In public. They were to be silent. But I love what we see about Jesus here. That he goes against the customary traditions. And he breaks the silence. And he breaks that barrier down. And he speaks to this Samaritan woman. Give me a drink. And in that moment. It doesn't sound like much to us. But we can see from this woman's response. She is quite shocked that this jewish man is speaking to her give me a drink he breaks the customary traditions that they themselves had put in place god's redemptive love often goes against our man-made traditions never goes against his word never contradicts his word But often the man-made traditions that we make up, that we esteem so important, often they are challenged by the transformative love of Jesus. And like I said, this woman, she is shocked that Jesus says to her, give me a drink. We see that. She she says, how is it that you, a Jew, asks for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, she says to him in verse 9. For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. This woman is so shocked that Jesus has said those four words to her. Give me a drink. Isn't it sad to think that our man-made traditions and our self-imposed regulations can hinder people from experiencing the grace of Jesus Christ. I saw this time and time again in Lewis growing up where there was this unwritten rule that you had to wear a suit to go to church there's nothing wrong with wearing a suit going to church but you don't need to wear a suit to go to church and I had friends and I knew people that I'd meet when I was doing evangelism in the street the first thing they would say when you'd invite them to go to church is but I don't have a suit and that was the barrier for them A totally self-imposed regulation that isn't found anywhere in scripture that we have taken as a cultural norm and elevated it to an expectation that was now in Lewis when I was younger hindering people from coming to church because they didn't feel like they could dress smart enough. They didn't feel like they could fit in in the way they looked. They they, they knew that if they didn't have a suit they, they couldn't come. Let us never let our preferences or our traditions become barriers to God's grace for people in our community. But let this place be a place of encounter. This is the well of our parish. You are the well of our parish. And when people meet you, would they encounter the risen Lord in who you are? are and jesus in verse 10 he cuts straight to the point he doesn't start engaging in this jew samaritan cultural stuff he's cut straight to the point like a hot knife going through butter verse 10 if he knew the gift of god and who it is that is saying to you give me a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you the living water Jesus cuts right through their cultural traditions and their cultural disputes that had now sadly formed practical outworkings. This is the danger with harbored grudges. They start as a heart posture, but before we know it, there are genuine physical barriers that we put up that stop people from coming near us or stop us going near other people. And heart postures, if they're not corrected, can often end up erupting into practical ways that we are so evidently seeing. Things like, I wouldn't serve on this team because that person's there. I wouldn't do that because of them. I wouldn't go near them because of X, Y, and Z. And there's already things that we know of in our city that we see massive divides And this is the thing about mercy. Mercy doesn't leave us where we are. With Jesus asking for a drink, he isn't just asking for some uh, water to quench his thirst. He is actually now beginning to offer her the invitation into mercy. And mercy doesn't leave us where we are. It finds us in that pit. It pulls us out. It dusts us off and it establishes our way. And Jesus when he asks for a drink of water he's continuing this theme of water symbolism that we see within John's gospel. We've seen it a number of times already at the wedding at Cana where Jesus turns the water into wine. Where, where he speaks to Nicodemus and he tells Nicodemus that he needs to be born of water and of spirit. And Jesus in, in, in now speaking about this, this, this drink and then who it is that is offering it and, and this living water, what he's doing is raising two crucial points. He ignores the cultural stuff that she's just raised up he cuts right through it and he raises two crucial points who he was and the gift god was offering her in jeremiah we read these words my people have committed two sins they have forsaken me the spring of living water don't miss what jesus is saying here He isn't just asking for a drink or offering her some sort of um, really good prime H2O. Jesus is saying here again, it's God who's speaking to you. He's claiming to be God himself again. Time and time again in the Old Testament we see this metaphor of water being used to show the cleaning that would come for God's people. The transforming power and life that it will give. And in that moment what Jesus is offering her is the satisfying eternal life that only Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the saviour of the world could alone provide. But she doesn't get it. She doesn't get it. And 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 do you know what? Most of us don't at the beginning. And what I love about God's grace is that He's gracious in His grace. He's gracious in His grace. That actually, there's so many times that we hear something and and we miss it, we miss it, we miss it, we miss it. But God, in His mercy and His grace, He keeps saying it to us. He keeps offering us this gift of life, this living water. He could have just finished the conversation there. Wait, this woman's not getting it. I'll move on to my next person. But that's not what Jesus does here. Even in his grace, he's being gracious towards her. He takes the conversation in a different road so that she could understand what he is trying to say to her. And we see that she doesn't get it. Sir, verse 11 says, You have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Then Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a living spring, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I'm not talking. About the water in the well Jesus says. That water will leave you thirsty again. I'm talking about what I alone can give to you. And when we come to know him. When we come to to know Jesus more and more. One of the things that happens is. We begin to learn about ourselves more and more as well. As we approach him, the light of the world, often what happens is the parts in our life that don't mirror up, that don't marry up with who he is, that he begins to shine his light upon them. And that's exactly where we see this conversation going in the verses 16 through to verse 26, where he speaks to her about the shame that she is living in. And in Jesus revealing who he was, what happens is this woman's eyes begin to open up and see actually who she was in light of him. Her sins are exposed to her. And she realizes her need for grace that is only found in Jesus. And this morning God has been gracious in his grace again. There's some of us here watching online or maybe even here in person who've still not drank of the life-giving water that Jesus alone can give. I ask you this question, what will it take? What will it take? What's holding you back from taking this life-giving water that Jesus offers that will spring up to a well of eternal life within us? What will it take? Surely after all we've been through, when death has been so close to our doorsteps, as we've traveled through a pandemic, surely we're seeing how precious life is. What will it take for you to ask him in to receive the gift of life that he alone can give? But maybe some of us think that actually we're not good enough. Or maybe there's shame in our life. Well, that's exactly where this woman was at. That's exactly where her story was. We read that she came at about noon. And I, and I told you that wells were places of encounter. Two things there that we are so important that we don't miss about this woman. Normally, women would go to the wells morning or late in the afternoon or evening. You don't go in the middle of the day at one of the hottest parts of the day. And it's meant to be a community thing. You would go with people, it was just part of what you do. You would meet folk there, and it would be a place of encounter. But this woman goes alone and goes at a time when she knows that there's going to be no one else there. She didn't want to be around other people. And this was due we see in the verses 16 to verse 26 because of her public shame. The shame that she was living in. That she had had five husbands and now she's living with someone who wasn't her husband. And Jesus doesn't look past the shame. He doesn't look past it. He doesn't ignore it. He doesn't brush it under a carpet. But he wants to deal with it. Not to cause this woman any pain. So you can be transformed by the renewing of his love. love. We live in a society and in a culture that just looks to omit or cancel things. Just ignore things, sweep things. But actually the gospel of Jesus Christ looks to restore. If there's painful parts in your life this morning, please stop burying them. But lay them at the feet of Jesus. Even if they're shameful, in His love and His grace and His mercy, He wants to restore you. There's a beautiful verse that talks about how the Lord will restore the year of the, of the locusts, the years the locusts have stolen. Maybe that's the season you need to enter into as a year of restoration, where actually we begin to deal with some of the really difficult things in our lives and be transformed by the love of Jesus. Mercy isn't about God ignoring our wrongs, our shame, or our mistakes. It's God knowing full well who we are, what we've done, and still loving us in spite of them. The offers are the spring of of water welling up to eternal life. And this is a vivid metaphor of the endowment of the Holy Spirit that we receive when we ask Jesus into our hearts. And this welling up, um, it, it kind of gives this vivid image of, of to jump up. That's what, uh, really what the, the, the original language is saying is that this living water is going to jump up within you. It's going to well up, it's going to jump up. And this it reminds us that being a Christian, it's not an academic exercise, but actually it's a life lived. That it's meant to also be experiential. We're meant to experience the transformative love of Jesus. We're actually meant to experience the Holy Spirit within us, welling up and jumping up to the gift of eternal life. And John 6 tells us that, that it is the Spirit alone who gives life. And this is only possible through the death and resurrection of Jesus when we receive Jesus, we receive the life that the Holy Spirit gives to us. This endowment that we get that wells up, that jumps up to eternal life. This morning, if you're feeling dry or you're feeling empty, ask him for a fresh outpouring of his Holy Spirit. And the woman says to Jesus in verse 16, Verse 15, sorry, give me this water so that I do not have to come here to draw water again. And we see once again that she just doesn't quite get it. She's still working through her shame. She's still working through the mistakes that she's made. She says, give it to me so I don't have to come here again. And then in verse 16, Jesus says to her, call your husband and tell him to come here. And the word, that there's, the word here is used twice in the space of two verses. And that word that is used for here is the only time it's used in John's gospel in these two verses. And what Jesus is saying is, call your husband to this place. Call him here. And again, what Jesus is wanting her to do is to work through the shame in her life. Not ignore it, not suppress it, but work through it. Because he loves her. Because he loves her. He exposes her sin to her. There's just him and her at this well, at this place of encounter. You know, there's a verse that says that there is no longer condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that is so true. But there is conviction. He does convict us. He does place his finger on parts of our lives that don't marry up, that don't live up. But his conviction is always coated in mercy and in grace. He doesn't do, us to do it to belittle us, to push us down, to make us feel bad about ourselves. But he does it in his love because he wants us to work through it and to know the life that he alone can give. So that we can truly see where the spirit of the Lord is, there is There is freedom. There's freedom from shame. There's freedom from wrong. There's freedom from sin. There's freedom from what people think about you and the labels they place upon you. And that's found in the love of Jesus. Jesus says, bring your husband here. She says, I don't have a husband. The man I'm living with, I'm not married to him. And Jesus says, you're right. You see, there's nothing new under the sun, friends. What we see in this encounter is that Jesus is pointing to her soul need, her 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 heart um, longing. But often, what we do in life is when we know there's something not. Um, fulfilling that empty hole that we have. Scripture also says that, that God has placed eternity into the hearts of man. And that is the hole that so many of us try and fill with worldly solutions. And that's what she's done. She's gone from one man to the next to the next to the next, trying to fulfill that, that need that's within her. And Jesus is saying, I alone can fulfill that. I'm the only one that can quench the thirst that you have deep, deep down within you. And there's nothing new. So many of us jump from the next partner to the next partner, from this job to that job, from one car to the next, from a holiday to the next holiday, from promotion to promotion, from experience to experience, from holiday to holiday. We're trying to find world Solutions, earthly solutions to, to fulfill that hole within our hearts. And actually, only Jesus can fulfill that. Only He can quench the thirst that we have. And then we see two responses to this conversation in verses 27 down to verse 39. And I want to look at two of the responses very, very briefly this morning. In verse 27, we read that just then the disciples came back. They marveled that he was speaking with a woman. But none of them had the confidence to challenge Jesus. Isn't that interesting? As so often the... The grudges and the, 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 the traditional things that we ourselves have made up. That we don't really often express them. That we just think them. How dare he speak to a woman? Most Jewish men thought it was a waste of time for a rabbi to be seen speaking with a woman. And again we see something of the heart of Jesus Christ he longs and he loves to meet with those who are on the outside and the outskirts of society the least the last and the lost jesus heart again we see we, towards this woman who, who who has this this terrible reputation But the gospel isn't limited, thanks be to God, the gospel isn't limited by our past, by our gender, or where we are. We need to be reminded that God has placed eternity in the hearts of people. Not just those who look like us, not just those who talk like us, not just those that behave like us. And we cannot say, if we want to be witnesses for Christ, we cannot say to people, come as you are, but change into the mold of how we do church. We we can't say that. That's not the gospel. We say, come as you are, and be transformed by the love of Jesus. The gospel stretches across our boundaries that we have put up socially. This doesn't give us an excuse. And it's important we hear this. This doesn't give us an excuse to continue to live in sin. Because we see that Jesus looks to deal with the shame within her. And actually bring her past that. Bring her into the life that we see through God's word. And in in God's transformative love. He wants to make us into the image of his son. But he goes to where we are. He meets us where we are in his grace. And these disciples, they're so unhappy with Jesus. They're so angry. They they marvel. They're like dumbstruck. Why in the world is Jesus speaking with a woman? But also a Samaritan woman. We see in verse 31 just how hypocritical these men were. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat food. This food that they just got into Samaria to buy. Obviously having to speak to some Samaritans to get it. Eat something. And in saying that, what they are saying is come out of this situation. Get away from that woman. Because they knew that there was was, uh, things that Jesus would have to do. He'd have to do like uh, washes and all that kind of stuff to be able to eat food. Being a Jew. Come away. Come out of that situation. Get away from that woman they are saying. Ignore her. Come and focus on us. But also, they demote Jesus. Look at the title they give him Rabbi. Rabbi. We see one of the groups call Jesus Rabbi. The men that journeyed with him that should have known him. They demote Jesus. But then we see this woman in verse 29 who has experienced the transformative love of Jesus and she calls him the christ the disciples they could see the samaritans coming and they wanted to get out of there come on jesus let's go there's samaritans coming we don't want to be caught in this situation we don't like them we don't do life with them what we see in this gospel story is John beautifully inter, uh, interwining these two stories that run parallel. These two experiences, these two responses to the grace that Jesus offers. One of the, the responses is from the disciples who are so angry and so confused that Jesus would even go near a woman. But let alone a woman, a Samaritan woman who was living in shame. But then we see this woman who meets Jesus at the well and what's her response she leaves and she says to the people that she's been avoiding all her life come see a man come see a man who told me all that I ever did her heart had been touched and she goes and she tells these people that she's been avoiding like the plague because of her shame come and see him come and meet him He's, he knows everything I've ever done. This is, can this be the Christ? She hadn't even been to Bible college. She hadn't even been to a church service. And we see the passion that was bubbling up within her, this well that was springing, jumping up in the life that she had received through the transformative love of Jesus Christ. Friends, this takes more than a minister. I need you. I need your help. This takes more than a minister. But it's greater than that. This is God's calling on your life. Go to the highways and the byways. And tell people about the transformative love of Jesus Christ. That even if they're living in shame. Even if they're living in sin. That there's a man who knows all about them and still loves them and still went to the cross of Calvary for them. Our focus cannot just be on us. I know that this last year and so has been so hard for us. Thanks Peter God we've had Jesus. But there are plenty of people who don't. And they are struggling and they're trying to get by and they're not getting by and they're living in struggle. And they're going from one earthly solution to the next, to the next, to the next. And all that's happening is they're finding themselves in more sin. They're finding themselves in more shame. They're trying to suppress it. We're seeing mental health crises and everything. And friends, we have the answer. His name is Jesus. And we are to be his witnesses. We are to be his ambassadors. A church that doesn't do mission is not the church. The church is not in decline because Christianity isn't relevant anymore. Not because the gospel stopped working. But because we stopped doing what this woman did. Come and see. Come and hear. Come and experience. Jesus says to his disciples just in closing... The fields are white unto harvest. There are people out there waiting. They are waiting. And we read in this gospel story. That it's because of this woman's testimony. That they believe in Jesus. And they come to the place in verse 42. For this is indeed the saviour of the world. Sandy Hills Parish is waiting for your testimony about the transformative love of Jesus Christ in your life and in mine. If you're lost to Jesus, if you're lost this morning, come to Jesus and be found. Receive of that life-giving water that he alone can offer And if you've come and if you've drank of that life-giving stream, be like the woman at the well. And go out to those around us and say, come and see, come and hear. So that by God's grace and in his mercy, that people in our parish would believe in him because of our testimony. And they would come to the place where they would say, Jesus is the saviour of the world let us pray God we thank you for your grace we thank you that you are gracious in your grace Lord I pray for anyone this morning that is sitting here with a sense of shame in their life Jesus would you bind up the broken hearted we pray Lord, by your Holy Spirit, would you minister to our souls? If we're living in shame, would we know that you love us and that you want to transform us and see us restored? We thank you that by your wounds we are healed. And Lord, we ask that any that are here this morning, if they are broken, if they're hurt, if they're in shame, that they would be healed by the blood of Jesus. Father, I ask that any who do not walk with you, who do not know you, who have never given their hearts to Jesus, who've never drank of that life giving water, Jesus, would this be the moment? Would we be like that blind beggar and shout, Son of David, do not pass me by? Would today be the day of salvation? Jesus, would you convict us of our sins? you transform us by your love and lord for those of us who walk with you who know you who love you we ask that jesus that we would be confident to be able to tell people about you that we would say come and see in jesus name we ask these things amen